Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who Commentaries podcast. Pete, we'll be very happy with you. Yes, I've been listening to that one as well. Um, my name's Daniel and I'm here with Joe, and we are just about to uh, embark uh, on one of Doctor Who's most important and probably most celebrated new series episodes. Um, and it's it's just an absolute gem. And it's one that that is nestled right at the beginning of the Chris Chibnall era because mm -hmm. I think people will probably think you're talking about something elsewhere but no we're talking oh, yes. about Rosa today yeah and uh okay well didn't you say you had a question going straight in I did but you said you had a question and it's yeah. your podcast do you want to ask your question first ah <laughs> well okay so this story is all about racism mm -hmm. uh, which is a really hard-hitting topic and it got me to thinking about you know I'm from a I'm from a minority group uh, which can be looked upon unkindly but I actually have never really experienced anything to the level of what you see in this episode yeah um, I think the worst I've ever had was somebody at work when they realized I was gay coming at me and going well I wouldn't have thought that of you I was like what the hell does that mean <laughs> but yeah that's that's pretty much the worst um of what I've experienced beyond um some excessive homophobia from my father who I no longer speak to uh so my but my question was have you ever experienced any form of prejudice in your life not so well no I mean as as a as a as a Doctor Who fan, I got I got the Mickey taken out of me as a kid. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that can be that sort of if you know, in my teenage years, you know, we're talking the late 80s. So not a period when Doctor Who was the best thing on television or the most popular thing on television. So yeah. And also I was I I was skinny, I was geeky, I was rubbish at sports um so yeah but not not for being yeah for being a Doctor Who fan but probably for all those other things as well uh, as a Christian I don't really I've never really experienced any um any uh, uh, sort of prejudice people have sort of oh you're a god botherer or you know whatever but not not to I mean when we when we do things in our village you know like the vehicle show or things like or you know sort of you know um after school clubs people are quite respectful so certainly not to no not nothing on, on the level of of what you you've said and also not from from the level that 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 we can see in here in this episode I um my experience of because you know, I've got some wonderful Christian friends um as you can imagine the debates rage on long into the night and uh, I think the worst that my Christian friends have experienced has been this bizarre expectation to be a better person than the average man which is such a strange thing because I feel yeah. like everybody should have that expectation heaped upon them, you know, to be a good person. Um, but there's, there's like, you know, you, you know, if you don't reach that expectation, well, then, you know, you that's absurd. I it think. is. Yeah. I mean, no, no, just just because somebody 
has a faith in Jesus does not mean that they're Superman or Superwoman. And we make, I, I make mistakes. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the perfect person. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting that, you know, we've just had the World Cup in Qatar of all places where both LGBTQ people and Christians face persecution. Um, and it's to, to actually, to, you know, to, to, to read the Bible in public can actually get you arrested in places like Qatar, um, as well as as well as two as two um, men or two women holding hands. Um, well, you could so, face execution. Yeah, in some places. I mean, mm. it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So circling this back around to Rosa again, I think this is really, really important this episode like you say to to bring up these issues and to show them as explicitly as yeah. it does here because mm-hmm. i think dog two's flirted with it in the new series martha there's a, a line about martha's hands in human nature and the family of yeah. blood mm-hmm. there's there's a scene in a sarah jane adventures where rani goes back in time and everyone's shocked when she walks into this village fate as yeah. a, a brown skinned person um and and things like this but this is really driving the point home isn't it of how oh it's it's it doesn't it doesn't hold back in what people of color experience from 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 you know from the perspective of people being you know hurling racial abuse at them um and and i think that's important i think i think if it didn't show that it wouldn't it it would have been it would have been a I was going to say a whitewash. That sounds terrible. That's not the right place. But you know what I mean. I it, it would have, it would have, it would have been half-hearted. And I think, right. And I think you know to have Marjorie Blackman come in and write this story. I know she's. I know it's co-written with Chris Chibnall, but I imagine that the majority of the ideas and the plot and everything is hers. So she'll have been somebody who has experienced these things. And you know, even today, you know, 2022, we are still experiencing. And it's. And I think it's. It's getting worse. And it's. Yeah, we we'd like right. to think of ourselves we we we'd like to look at this and go well things aren't like this anymore but there's the scene that we'll see which shows the sad fact no we haven't really moved on at all i tell you what when brexit occur- i'm sorry i promise you we will start watching rosa it's <laughs> so interesting i don't care when um brexit was happening i was absolutely convinced that that would never that the vote would never be yes no. to exit the european union and I always tell the story of that I was putting out the papers every single day and I put out the mail and the racism that would spew from the front cover of the mail every single day and how they lent into sort of immigrants coming in, taking away. It's absolutely embedded in society still. And oh, absolutely. They whipped up a shitstorm of racism during mm-hmm. Brexit. And I think that is what, and the fact that that did get the yes vote proves that there is still that that hate exists. Uh, yeah, it, it, it and you and it's it's all it's amplified by people like uh, Nigel Farage and Tommy Robinson and yeah, Katie Hopkins, all these people who have um, a mouthpiece to spew stuff that isn't true, and a lot of it was was built on lies and i know there's that there's the saying not everybody who voted for brexit is racist 
but everybody who's racist voted for Brexit because they knew what it meant. They knew that it, that it, it wasn't, it wasn't about taking back control. It was about making sure that we don't have people coming in this country and, and, you know, taking over and, and which is, which then, which isn't happening. And in actual fact, since Brexit has happened, immigration levels have actually increased. They've not gone down. They've got, the situation's got worse. So it's like, well, you know, taking back, we haven't taken back control, you know, anyway. I, um, I, I was incredibly ashamed that day. I've got a lot of friends uh, that live all around the world that live in England. Sorry, they come from different places. I mean, honestly, I mean, I've slept with every country. Daniel, honestly, I'm sorry, I had to put a joke in there somewhere. Um, yeah, and you know, like there is You're doing lots of things for international relations. <laughs> yeah. uh, as the generations start to die out, the racism that is inherent in my family is starting to disappear as well. But that that's something I've been aware of as well, which is really appalled me um yeah it's it's a troubling situation it's not really getting better but what what i think is very responsible about rosa is it doesn't try and just say this is a problem in the past no it acknowledges it's a problem in the present and it will still be a problem in the future and it doesn't like say to children this thing is going away but it says actually we can be better than this yeah absolutely what was your question then okay my question is very and it's sort of a similar which is is this the wokest episode of doctor who ever (laughs) no that's praxeus (laughs) honestly you've got the multiracial casts you've got um multi multi uh, sexuality casts it's got an environmental message i mean yeah (laughs) Um, i mean i'm I'm using wokeness sorry no, no, I, well, I still, I think Praxis is a good thing for the things it's, it's yeah. portraying a gay relationship, it's um, creating interesting environmentalism, it's doing very, very interesting things with all of those. Um, but yeah, this is incredibly woke. I think possibly Chibnall was very savvy in casting um, mixed race regulars. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was kind of deliberate, so this story could be told. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and in this day and age, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, the cast list that we had in the Hinchcliffe era where everyone is white and everyone is male as well. And middle fact, class too. <laughs> and middle class. Like, I, when we, I remember when I was watching um, The Power of the Doctrine, there's one scene in the TARDIS and you've got, you had Kate, you had... I don't know. I don't think. I don't know if it was Joe. Joe, the doctor was in there. But you had, you had Yaz, you had Tegan, you had Ace, you had Vinda, and you had Kate. So there's 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 two women who are of mature age, one Asian woman, um, one black man, and one lady of middle. How old? I don't know how old Kate Stewart is. How old? She's sort of just a lovely spread of humanity. And, and yeah, and you wouldn't. And, and I'm thinking, this is amazing. There aren't that many shows that you would probably get this this mixture of of, of casts. I mean, yeah. I when I when I ask the question about is this the wokest, I'm I'm using woke in its correct term. I'm, I'm I don't think woke as being something that is is wrong. If you I look at it, the term woke should be celebrated. I don't think yeah, it should be treated it's, as it's an about, insult. It's about being aware of social injustice, like racism. Those idiotic, you know, 
fuckwits on YouTube, those amoebas that <laughs> literally slag off every new thing that's coming out because they don't have an ounce of joy in their lives, have weaponized the word. What? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was on. Now I don't watch GB News, but somebody put a link on that there was a, a um, something that that they got Jim Davidson to come on and say about, and the question was, now that David Tennant is back in Doctor Who, will Doctor Who be less woke? And I, I, had to, I had to have a laugh. I mean, it's the only thing that I've ever laughed at that Jim Davidson's been involved with, but I had, it was just really, do they not know who, you know, David Tennant, that, that famous, you know, Tory voting, oh, hang on, no. <laughs> it's being written by Russell T. Bloody Davis. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, have they, have they seen what he's brought out in the last well, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And now even even better is that he knows what he can get away with now. Like like back in 2005 I think he was pretty careful about what he put on the screen. Mm. Uh, so not to get the show cancelled or anything like that or to yeah, tip the iceberg too much. But nowadays um yeah, Daniel, you know, we better go ahead and press play on we this. Had, yes. No, honestly. Uh, uh, we've had 15 minutes of riveting conversation already. Mm -hmm. Well, look, would you care to count us in? Okay. What in... great questions, though. What great, great discussion. Okay, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And it's time for the great oily puddle of the Jodie Whittaker title sequence. In this episode, there are familiar prejudices to face for the Doctor's friends. I noticed that. What was that all about? Was that in, was that sort of like a Radio Times billing? I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure. Here comes the, here comes the hula hoop. <laughs> Mark Tonderai, is this the only episode he directed? Um, I don't know. Did he also do... Demons of the Punjab, because this was filmed in South Africa, wasn't it? He did. No, you're right. And I'll tell you what, those are the two, I think they're the best director two episodes of this season. Mm -hmm. Certainly the most visually stunning. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd have to say that one of the things about the, the Chibnall era is, I know we, we take the mickey out of the lens flare, but the cinematography has been yeah. absolutely exceptional. Well, you just go and listen to Jeff Goddard and, and me talking about the beautiful imagery of the Jodie Whittaker. I mean, I think the mm. thing they did with CGI as well has been incredible. Yeah. These sort of fabulous, weird landscapes that they've created. I guess we've got Vinette Robinson here, mm -hmm. who has been in Doctor Who before. Yeah. Completely unrecognisable from this part in 42. Now, I did ask some people um, for, for questions or, or comments. Um and Dave Rennie asked, do you think Vinette Robinson gives the best guest star performance of the season? Oh, I mean, yes, definitely. I, th I, I certainly would... think it's the most important guest yeah. star role of the season. I, I would say it's, it's certainly a tie with Alan Cummings in um, The Witchfinders, which is a more extravagant performance and and a more showy performance, um, but is still absolutely brilliant. Why did you have to bring up 
Alan Cummings in The Witch Finders. Oh, yeah, Ryan, <laughs> my Nubian prince. <laughs> yeah, as well as being, I mean, he's, he's as camp as Christmas, but there's a sinister quality to him because no, he, totally. he, you could, he, he would, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to cross him, would you? No. You and not want to cross this bus driver either. Oh, this did actually happen. Him, isn't he? Yeah. This did actually happen about in about 13, you know, 12, 13 years before um this yeah oh yeah 12 years later it says the thing that really impressed me about uh vinette robinson in this was like she's quite um she's quite stern and she's quite a, she's a bit of a bossy boots at times isn't she with with regulars and stuff but she's always sympathetic yes you know and and she's not always always painted as a victim she is at pertinent moments but she's a very strong a, character. There's a softness to her that I found really appealing. She's, I mean, obviously Rosa Parks is a Christian and is someone who should, she's even in her, you know, in the situation we just saw her just then, she doesn't lose her temper. She's so calm, but she knows what she needs to do. And I, I, I've done a little, little bit of research and there was a there was a quote when she was interviewed. She said that, you know, that God gave her the strength to stand on that bus and not to give in and not to to turn away. And, and that's what, you know, she would she would do that and she would end she would end up being a free woman. Which is wonderful. And, you know, a, a strength of faith. But the mm -hmm. fact that anybody anybody was ever put in that situation where they're segregated it's horrible I, to think I, of. it just doesn't compute in my head no at all yeah oh here's the quote she said in in the end god used a simple bus ride to accomplish more than we could ever have dreamed that's what she said at a later a later point when she was interviewed well, I've um, I've dug out some facts on Rosa Parks, which I'm going to drop throughout the episode. Um, and did you know that she had a prior encounter with James Blake before the very famous encounter? All right. Yeah. yeah. So this this wasn't premeditated. And she's quoted as saying, I never wanted to be on that man's bus again. Mm. After that, I made a point of looking at who was driving the bus before I got on. I didn't want any more run ins with that mean one. Yeah. So they had history. Mm. Oh, this sequence this is here, horrible. Where this Ryan is, is absolutely horrible. And do you know what? I think th there is some very showy direction in this. Mm -hmm. Like there, it, there's some very. It's really stylistic. A lot of the shots you're going to see, like a lot of crane shops coming because they absolutely want to get their money out of the location. Oh, yeah, definitely. But that that very judicious use of slow motion when he got hit there really drives it, home it, the horror yeah. of that act yeah. oh it's horrible mm. and do you know what i i felt um i felt like an a real sense of like impending doom and suspense in this episode and it's entirely because they're in this unforgiving place where people could turn on them at any time and it isn't daleks and cybermen and no this is real it's life the people that kind of live yeah. around us now yeah so, mm -hmm. What scares me is this could this could happen. Mm. You know? And it's that same sort of um impending doom I feel in Hartnell historicals, like the massacre and things like that, 
the you know in the right situation when the right people are brewed up when the wrong decisions are made a lot of people could be killed and i think this is deliberately trying to evoke oh absolutely one of the things that that struck me that this is going back to the to the core you know the original premise of the show back in the 1960s that this is history and it it, you know the history the history is no, going in the past is is as alien as Scaro or Marinus. You go to you know you know you you visit the, the Aztecs and you know they do things that you are absolutely horrified of. Um, you know you find it absolutely repugnant. It reminds me of um, I always cite the film Twenty Eight Days Later. You know the one where London's devastated by the zombies, mm-hmm. and like the zombies are supposed to be the horror in the film, and then the true horror turns out to be the humans that are left behind that are behaving in a way so appallingly yeah. and so base. And yeah, I think I think when it's human beings creating the atrocities, that's just so much scarier. That's any we, monster. Yeah. That's why midnight is is absolutely terrifying. It's it's you're not just scared of whatever it is out there outside the 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 the, the bus. You're scared of what those people inside the bus are going to do to the doctor. It's nothing to evil old Lindsay Coulson saying to her husband, "What sort of a man are you? You know, kill him, kill him." And that's the thing about this story, though, isn't it? And those Hartnell historicals and midnight is that sort of universal themes that doesn't really date. No, no. This is really, really nice. And may I say that uh, we just had uh, Crasco on the screen. Now, we do need to talk about him and whether he is essential in this story. Yes. But also we need to talk about just how incredibly hot he is too. Well, <gasps> oh one of the notes was, is is he is he of importance or is he just there to give Joe a bit of eye candy? Who said that? No, I said that. I, oh! I, no, that's what I was going no, I think I think obviously you don't really have a story if we well, you know you do, but I don't think there's much to hang on of just Rosa getting on the bus. No, you do need a, that extra level of jeopardy that that will you know those those barriers that will stop what needs to happen from happening. It it's like it's a bit, you know he's he's the he's the girder that comes across the TARDIS in Dalek Invasion of Earth. He's the you know, whatever the the lock being taken out of the TARDIS by the sensorites, or you know, the TARDIS falling down the hole, you know, in the in the Impossible Planet. It's you know what he's, else he's, he's well, an irritant rather than a than a than an out and out baddie. And as as well as like I said earlier, showing that you know racism is still rife in the future, mm. um, and it is a problem that you know needs to be combated. It belies that point that people make all the time about the Jodie Whisker era in season 11 series 11 sorry that really irritates me that say oh she never got her you know doctor moment her doctorish moment which is supposed to be you know those bits where the doctor puffs out the chest and goes you know I am the doctor from the mm-hmm. planet Gallifrey and the constellation of Casturbrus and and all of that bollocks or um Capaldi in um flatline where he's like i'm the doctor i name you the boneless well i'll tell you what she gets a moment with crasco in a minute where mm-hmm. she's standing on top of that silo yeah and another criticism that made is that she doesn't confront the villains 
And she says, that's, to him, that's nonsense as well. She goes, don't threaten me. And then she walks away from him and Yas goes, are we leaving? And she goes, not in a million years. <laughs> and her face is like messy. Her hair's all over her face. She is brilliant in that scene. Would it have worked better if, say, for example, in the when in the second time when when the doctor confronts Crasco, maybe she would have sort of n- knocked his face off and, it's a, and there's an alien underneath? Would would that have satisfied satisfied people? I don't think it w- I don't think it would have made an iota difference. But would that have satisfied people who were kind of thinking he's not a, an effective enough villain? We're, we're, he's an, he's a villain because he's a racist. Yeah, that's the point, though, isn't it? Yeah. He is not, and when I say ours, I don't mean you and me, but he is ours in the future. Oh, yeah. This thing hasn't gone away, and that's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, if you need need that to be a monster from the planet Zog, you're kind of missing the point. Exactly, yeah. Plus, you know, a monster from the planet Zog wouldn't be smoking hot like Cresco either, so, sorry. Look, you've got a hot doctor now, right? Let me have a hot yeah. villain. Okay, fair enough. Hot <laughs> doctor and a hot companion as well. And in fact, you know, you know, I was talking about confronting the villain. There's that astonishing sequence in this. We don't get many acts of physical violence. Uh, no. At Jodie Whittaker. And there's a bit where he grabs her throat. He grabs her by the throat. Yeah. And, I, and that's something that, that bothers me somewhat. Um, in the, it, it's, well i can't remember does she well, well we'll talk about it when 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 the scene happens because it does look like she's a little bit defenseless and i kind of think hang on come on you're only that you're the same doctor that did the old venusian aikido could you not just sort of you know give him a bit of a can i ask you a question and this isn't me trying to put you into a trap right okay would that be a problem if it was a man no no, and I that's this is this is the thing that that's that's I, I don't like violence against women. I, I find that very I find it very uncomfortable to watch. I don't like violence against women, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't like violence against men either. No, I'm not a violent man, but I do think I do I don't think there should be double standards with this thing. So I like that scene yeah. because she's being throttled. Mm-hmm. But because she stands up to him and she pushes yeah. him off, and yeah. she like she has agency in that moment, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just really nice because I I often feel like Jodie Whittaker was written like Jodie Whittaker is capable of reaching eleven. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think very often she's written at somewhere about six or seven, occasionally eight or nine. Well, in that moment she's at ten. It's yes. really intense that scene. And here, we, well, we, we, she's <laughs> now you're being annoying. <laughs> you look at her face when she walks off in a second. Yeah. She's pissed. I just think there are some really seminal Jodie Whittaker Mis- moments in this. I mean, don't you love the bit where she goes, uh, I'm Banksy? <laughs> yeah. I love that bit. <laughs> or am I? She goes. <laughs> But I think it's got um, the most one of the most important moments as well at the climax when she's on the bus mm-hmm. and she has to be a passive observer. Yeah. 
to yeah. something horrific that is occurring mm-hmm. and uh, much of the criticism of Jodie Whittaker's doctor is is that she sits back and lets people you know the villains walk away and you know no one really gets their come up and doesn't cause a solution again I would argue that point I, yeah I don't buy that but I do think it's really effective here that's a that's a, a staggeringly dramatic moment where the doctor mm literally cannot do anything to stop that moment of racism because she'll change history if that happens Mm -hmm. it's a horrible situation to put her in and to to put um to put graham in as well oh it's his reaction that kills me and his i mean now um i want to talk a little bit about bradley walsh oh yeah because um i mean when when he was cast i knew he was going to be good but i didn't realise he was going to be so good as as he is, um, and um, I think he's. I think he gets to be to get he gets to a lot more in series eleven than he does in series twelve, where he kind of sort of is a little bit reduced to the comedy, the comedy feed. But in this series, he's he's such he's he's so strong. But then that's the issue about having three companions, having four regular characters, which we know if we look through the history of the show can sometimes be a bit of an issue. So for example, you've got um, Fraser Hines, you know, you've got the moon base where Jamie goes, oh, it's the Phantom Piper. And then you've got, um, you know, Nissa Nissa disappearing in kinder for two episodes so she can have a a good snooze after um, collapsing at the end of Fall to Doomsday. She ain't even built that vibrator in her bedroom yet, is she? That's in the next story. That's in the next story. Well, yeah, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> at least she keeps all her clothes, clothes on in that series. That's true. Um, in that season. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think this in this one, everyone gets a fair share of, of the pie. Everyone gets um, a really um, good... Every, everyone gets to, to have their own part and they're very much in, in, integral in, in the plot of the, of the story. Um, even, even Yaz, who tends to be the one who in, is, is, is kind of like the Nissa in this group, she does tend to be sometimes sidelined a little bit, I think. Um, even in Demons of the Punjab, she kind of doesn't really get to do as much as Ryan or, or Graham, seem, Graham seem to do. And then when we get her in, in flux, she then has to, she's got, um, John Bishop to spar with, which I, I, I think those two are absolutely wonderful together. So many thoughts about everything that you just said, you know. For once in my life, I stayed quiet and waited. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of agree with you and I kind of disagree with you as well. Like, okay. I agree with you that they struggle with the three companions. And then mm-hmm. again, Dear Darty, Spyfall, Resolution, they get it bang on and everyone yeah. gets nice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is unfortunate that someone generally is shunted off. I mean, I think everyone always gets a moment in an episode. Yes. Yeah. And actually, obscenely, I don't think we ever get a specific, like, Graham episode or... You get the Ryan episode, I think, is resolution. But you don't right. get uh, an episode that is purely about Graham, which is a shame because Bradley yeah. was really, really good. Yeah. I think he's actually pretty strong in series 12. I don't think he's always given enough to do. No. But like in Praxeus, he has that wonderful scene with Jake on the beach. Um, in Ascension of the Cybermen, he gets that wonderful scene with Yaz where he tells her about Yeah, yeah. 
uh, in Can You Hear Me. Obviously, he's going for his um, uh, cancer there, yeah. which is really quite strong. And like, yeah, there's a lot of comedy with him in series 12, but it's Bradley Walsh. Like, he's. A yeah, I, I'm not saying he gives a bad performance. He's brilliant in every episode, but sometimes just felt. Um, blankety blank. It's absolute gold, I'll tell you. He's there, and every time someone gives an answer, he throws the card and goes, right, that's it, I'm off. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but you're right, though, this this really exemplifies this ensemble at its yeah. strongest, doesn't it? I think so, definitely, definitely. This scene here, um, this scene, mm-hmm. I think is really sinister. Mm. That comes in. And the way it's shot, when he when they open the door and he's just like a shadow on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the, the way the sort of the doctor has to lie about who she is, the mm-hmm. way he had to hide um outside by the bins. Yeah. There's just a a, a disquieting it's very dark, yeah. It, uh, even with the lights on, you can see in the wall the lights are on, but it's still quite dark mm. and, and very sinister. The um, guy who plays the policeman. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you seen Bugs? Back for- Bugs is my bag, baby. Bugs was my nineties Doctor Who. In there's a recurring character. I think his name is John Danielle or something. John. That's never that- John Danielle. It from is. That's him. Yes. God, all those fabulous scenes with him at the keyboard at the end, going, "Ah, Bugs team, I'll get you next time." <laughs> is he really? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, you, know you know Ross Henderson from that fabulous uh, Jay Griffiths. Jay Griffiths, yeah. Believe it when they brought her into unit. I thought finally Jay Griffiths getting yeah. a regular role, and they bumped her off. Oh, yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> Are you not so keen on the Zygon Invasion Inversion? Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm not so keen on that series. Full stop. A face spoke volumes there. I, I call it the contractual obligation season, oh. <laughs> which I think is maybe we should do a story from that season. You know. Oh, okay. Something, maybe we should do one that you're not so keen on. Oh, sport for choice then. Um, <laughs> sorry. You can sort of sigh hard. Um, this scene with them sitting outside where she's yeah. about um, how she's called a, a, a packy. And yeah. This is, this is proper. This is the sort of drama I figured Chibnall was going to bring. Mm-hmm. It's understated and a lot yeah. of drama he brings up to is it's quite subtle mm. but that's a hard hitting insult she just said there yeah the, using the p word yeah. it's i mean you know as kids we would say it we you know back in the 1980s and i'm you know ashamed of it, I'm horrified of it. i hear it because i can hear my dad I say, yeah just a bit yeah which i think is yeah. probably quite a, a healthy reaction mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it shows even if our world hasn't changed. I mean, it, it talks about, um, you know, in, in 50 years, they have a, 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 black, a, black, a black president, but then look who they replace him with. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I, that's immediately what I thought when they were saying that. I, mm. I was like, yes, progressive, amazing. Yeah. Oh, look what came next. And then you go back 30 years. Yeah. Literally, I, I, I think, yeah, he's he's as much to blame for a lot of... Oh, for sure. Yeah. A lot of a lot Johnson of Johnson and Trump between them. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned um Sega Nakanola's score in this, which mm-hmm. I, I thought well, I just think in production terms, this was like extremely good. 
and everyone's firing on all cylinders. It's but the score is a bit now where they're doing um they've all got a job to do and the music's like going it's great. It's, it's like it's like it's like we you got to have a montage, haven't you? Yeah. Showing these different different the different parts, and they're all working together. I love the fact they're all working together, and not one of them is sort of being. I mean, the doctor's obviously in charge, but she's not. I'm the doctor, and I'm in charge. She's like she's 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 empowering them. She's empowering all three of them to go off, and this is what we need to do to keep history on its tracks. She's got her fam, hasn't she? And you know, yeah. like whenever I hear people weaponizing, oh, the the fam and all this, and I'm like, well, I got my ham fam, all right, so I can't say a word. <laughs> but it, it goes back again. It goes back to the to the, the 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 very first series with William Hartnell. If you watch those episodes, that series has four leads. It's not William Hartnell and William Russell. Jacqueline Hill and Carol Ann Ford in lesser roles. They are all four of them. All four characters are of equal importance. Possibly Carol Ann Ford's character. I mean, Susan is a little bit of a, well, she's very wet sometimes, but. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Not in the sensorites. If you watch during the sensorites, in those two episodes where, I mean, obviously they have to put Jacqueline, on Hill, Jacqueline Hill on holiday to give Susan a bit more of a, 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 a you know, a agency and a bit more, bit more of a backbone. So she actually can get off and you know and do things, and she's actually quite. And you can see Carol Ann Ford actually enjoying being a bit more proactive and not just the the wimpy wailing. Oh no, what's going on, Doctor? Grandfather, grandfather. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. She does do that a lot. Oh, they're agonising sometimes, um, and that's and that's why why you get Vicky in the next season, and she's like a breath of fresh air. I've had a lot of people say that to me on this recently. I think they've all been watching that season two Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, um, but you're right. I think they definitely are leaning into this. Has definitely got like a season one of the classic series vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got yeah the production values of a movie. Which is the biggest mm-hmm. difference too, but mm-hmm. yeah, the the four regulars, the s- slightly more simplistic storytelling, the focus on character, um, but it not being yeah. sort of the very sort of showy character work that we've had during Rusty Davis and mm-hmm. Stephen Moffat's time. Yeah, but you know, I feel like with uh, Rosa and Demons of the Punjab, there's a confidence to those two episodes. And I think there is a bit of a tentative nature to some of season 11 where they're sort of trying to find their feet a little bit, but they just seem on such sure grounds in those two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. There's some episodes where it's, it's, you probably, you probably would be re- watching them and thinking maybe the script needs another draft or maybe it just needs a bit more of a, I don't know. There are some episodes where you think this is good, but it could be so much better. Don't you come at Arachnids in the UK, Daniel Knight, all right? Or you and me are going to have words. I'm not, I, I never mentioned Arachnids in the UK. I love that story so much. It's a great story. It's terrible, but I love it. <laughs> and you've got Shobna Gulati in it as well. And oh, she's brilliant. Beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, it's a shame that she wasn't in Power of the Doctor. It would have been nice to see her come back. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kind of drop her family, don't they? They do. Yeah. A bit of a shame. Mm. I, I thought we were, we were really going to start leaning into that again. And well, we've got Rusty Davis back now. They probably will. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is really sweet that, that Ryan gets close to Rosa Parks now and then goes to meet uh, Martin Luther King. That's amazing. Isn't yeah. It? Like they, they, the other thing that makes this feel like a serious one is they are really trying to educate you. Yes. As well. There, there is, they push a fair few facts on you. And I know, I know that's that's what some people dislike about it, and it's like they they feel like they're being lectured to, and and oh, and that's where the woke aspect comes into it. Did you? Here's a question I wanted to ask: Were you taught about Rosa Parks at school? No, no, neither was I. Um, Which seems like I'm, a bit of a, an omission. Yes, I, I think the, the history, and I know it was recent history, but the history we studied, it was all sort of the big stuff you know the second world war sure. the romans things mm-hmm. like that. i mean I'm, I'm pleased to say when i go into schools now um for my job there are um pictures of rosa parks there are classes or or school um houses that are named after rosa parks so she's very much now in the consciousness of children growing up um but again with mary seacole um who are she you know the in war of the Sontarans. I didn't know about Mary Seacole growing up either. No. And there was, I, I, I did a bit of sort of looking at that and it, there was, there did seem to be sort of like a suppressing of, of who she was and what she, and what she did. Um, well, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a general omission of these sort of strong women throughout history. Yeah. I think the education service for a long time was being run by men. Oh, very much so, yeah. Um, men. Um, yeah, and white men as well. Um, and it's um, yeah, well, but I'm got, pleased um, to say it's not it's not happening anymore. Ada Lovelace in yeah. Spyfall. You've got um, oh good grief, I can't remember her name. Just Mary Shelley in Haunting of Villa Darcy. There is such a focus on strong women throughout mm-hmm. history in this era, and boy, is that another gold badge for the Chibnall era. It is, yeah. I think um, oh, what was the ladies? Ah, yeah, because I um. Nor in in I apologise if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly. Nor Iniat Khan, who's also oh, okay. in Spyfall um, Part Two. Um, they yeah. admit that she has a horrible death in the next year in that episode. Mm. But you know, we've got to think of the kid rings. Daniel, would you mind if I go on a bit of a rant for a second? Go for it. I thought this is a good episode to go on a rant. Okay. Especially. Oh, hang on. Oh. Oh yeah. That's the bit about where he's. he's but she does. She does throw him off. The fact she's, if you think about it, she's in total control. He's got his hand around her her throat, but she knows he can't kill her. He he. She knows she's at, she is actually in control because he's got this whatever it is that 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 the chip in it that will stop him from killing her. I mean, I rather think that in order to show such a sort of visceral moment of violence towards the first female yeah. doctor, you need a narrative excuse like she's trying to prove that he can't hurt anybody because that chips yeah. head. So they've kind of mm. it does have like a plot purpose as well. It does, yeah. Um, so again, you go back about you know her not having agency and not confronting the villains. Okay, he it looks like he's got a he's got he's got her to a disadvantage but actually fact no she he hasn't has she 
Has she? She hasn't. No, no. anyway, yeah. You yeah. were going to have a rant, sorry. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah. Well, <laughs> it really pisses me off, right, that people brandish that word woke and say, well, you know, the, they, they're shoving this environmental message in our face and racism and lesbians and, you know, gay romance and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I hate to say it, but uh, these things are out there. The, mm -hmm. you know, the planet is in danger. There is racism, racism inherent in society. Mm -hmm. Gay people exist. Mm -hmm. Like, these things should just naturally be part of this show. And I do wonder sometimes if the people that shout the loudest are the ones that turn their ears to environmental problems, that find looking at gay romance a bit discomforting, yeah. that perhaps possibly have racist leanings. Like the fact that these episodes are holding up a mirror and saying, you know, are you capable of these things? It might make people a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's that's what Doctor Who and what, what all good drama should do. Yeah, too right. It shouldn't just yeah. be, you know, Zombo the Zombie. No. You know, or, you know, you know, yeah, I, no, I think, and I love the fact that we get, we don't just get one, you know, this is the, the traditional celebrity historical that's normally the second or third episode of the season, and we get two, two historical characters for the price of one, we get Martin Luther King, and it's just, it's a really good moment for Brian that he gets to meet martin luther king and and we get that little flashback you know you know called back to his his grand and what i love about this is the sort of the it's quite a gentle story as in it's not got lots of violent set pieces and things like no. that it's a, quite a simple thing that they've got to try and solve they yeah. get her on that bus so this thing happens so mm -hmm. you know uh she makes her mark on, on history um but actually, the ramifications of it doesn't happen are quite big. Yes. Yeah. So it, it does it, have stakes. It's the, the, the stakes look small, but it is really, yeah. This if this doesn't happen, this this changes history completely. Um again, look at he's got so Bradley Walsh got such an expressive face, you know, from smile to a to to that little little moment of almost despondency it's like thinking oh and he realizes yeah this is this is really yeah he's just brilliant terror he steals the best scene in every episode um my personal favorite from the jody whisker is dims from the punjab i think it's a mm -hmm. stunning piece of work it moves me to tears every time i watch it and he gets that scene where just before young fella gets married and bradley walsh is there holding back tears because he knows he's gonna die that day yeah yeah and he's gotta let him die Mm -hmm. And it's going off to have the happiest day. And it's all there in Bradley Walsh's face. Yeah. Like, this episode ain't even about you. And you're literally <laughs> pulling the rug out from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he is incredible. Like, I don't know. It, it's the it's the Catherine Tate effect, isn't it? It's like you think somebody is pigeonholed into a certain genre of television. They come onto Doctor Who and blow your socks off with the dramatic acting they can do. Any time now that an actor is announced of being in Doctor Who, I'm going, great, can't wait to see them. Yeah. Because I made the mistake when when Billy, I think I mentioned this when we talked about New, new I was going to say New One, New Earth, about, I, I was sort of slightly concerned about Billy Piper being cast, and she absolutely 
absolutely loved Billy, loved Billy Piper. So whenever, you know, if Catherine Tate's announced, Bradley Walsh, John Bishop, particularly actors who are, you know, associated with comedy. If you look throughout the history of Doctor Who, lots of actors who have a comedy background. William Hartnell oh. was very much, uh, John Pertwee very much, Peter Davison. I mean, before, I mean, we all remember him for All Creatures Great and Small, but around the time of Doctor Who, he was doing, he was famous for doing two sitcoms. He did one called Sink or Swim and one called Holding the Four. So he was quite, a, a, quite well known for comedy as well. So yeah, what, um, series two Blu-ray, yeah. The more I watch William Hartnell, the more I am impressed with him. And mm-hmm. I think maybe when I was younger, I wrote him off a little bit. And now he's somewhere in like my top three. Like the energy and the charm and the humor and the personality that he brings when he's on the screen. I'm I can't look at anyone else. No, because he's always doing something quirky or laughing his head off or you know delivering a line. You know, kill Nero. I beg your pardon. You know, like he's just brilliant. But we're the generation that grew up watching him or watching uh, his character being recreated in shows like Five Doctors, where he's the grumpy one, where he's remembered as being the grumpy one. But that's that's not the case. There's so much of all the doctors, certainly of all the classic doctors. He's the one character. He's the one doctor that goes on a character arc. He's the one he he softens. He's the you know, when we see him in An Earthly Child, he's the, the sinister, untrustworthy time you know we don't know who this guy is and then by the time we get to you know the end of that first season with reign of terror he's he's showing you know he's showing comedy he's he's just absolutely wonderful i mean even sort of halfway through when you when you watch him i mean and also you watch him with jacqueline hill the two of them bounce off together so well they are so brilliant together what's that awful noise that's no way to talk about my singing (laughs) (laughs) i could charm the birds from the trees dear lady but, you know, I actually think um, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor goes on. It's a lot kind of subtler arc. Yes. Um, she kind of, she comes fully formed. Mm-hmm. And she immediately has a, like, a great rapport with her friends. And then in the second series, with the destruction of Gallifrey and the time yeah. of they try and break her spirit, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like, they try and bring her down. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a few moments where she's leaning on the console and she's considering all of her life choices. Yeah. You know, and she has a few silent moments of consideration. And then in Flux, she's just like, nah, fuck it. I'm amazing. I've got amazing friends. I'm going to get out in the universe and have some fun again. And and then the sort of conclusion that they come to in Power of the Doctor is, is she's just a, a very nice person and the strength of her is her friends around her. I just thought it, it was a great way to leave her character. I, I love the fact that she is the first Doctor, certainly in the new series, that is just a, a traveller in time. Mm. She's not... The Time Lord Victorious. She's not this. I am the Doctor, and I am the. the you know, it, it, she's. It's. 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 The, it's going back. The character's going back to the, the very much basics again. Going back to sort of just being a simple traveler in time, with great mates, going around the universe, helping people, being kind. And I, I think, and and there's just such joy in Jodie's performance, yes. and hope, and yes. she's just. Whether it's whether it's to Rosa Parks or to Yaz or to Dan or to Vinda or whoever, she just shows kindness and hope and and really is it just what you want the doctor to be. And, and I kind of got a little bit fed wow. up with is this it? sort of the doctor being this immortal 
and yeah. you know prancing around the, the council room going doctor who and things well, like I that think they tried. i think they tried with jodie whisker like there was a long-term plan that they you know she was going to be this you know I don't know, immortal god from another universe or something like that and the 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 founder of all time lord society and the blueprint for regenerate and all of this and then i love it in the vanquishers where she's got that watch and she just goes Oh, sod it. And just put it in the console. <laughs> and she's you like, never, well, maybe that's true, but that ain't true of me now. I'm a, I'm a good person now, and I'm just going to yeah. be a good person. I'm just going to be the best person I can be. And bugger me, she, she gets a laugh sometimes. That bit in um, Halloween Apocalypse where she's going, well, I think I was Scottish when I set this up. Release! Yes. Release! Release! <laughs> well, I love the fact that the first time we see her, she's smiling. And then the last time we see her, that smile's still there. It may have the smile may have faded a few times in between, but she lit she 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 comes into the show with a smile and she leaves with a smile. I think there's two scenes. There's one in it takes you away where she sees the frog on the chair, and some people say that scene is terrible. I mean, it's amazing the fact that she, it's a sentient universe that looks like a frog on a chair. She blows it a kiss and then goes off, and I'm like. That's a doctor right there celebrating how absurd this thing is and said, go and be brilliant. And then at the end of Power of the Doctor, they mirror that with that weird jellyfish creature. And the final act she does before she's killed is to release it. And she's yes. like, I don't quite understand you, but go out into the universe and be brilliant. And yeah, oh, she's just wonderful. She's wonderful. I, I just won't hear it. I'm sorry. People that say that she's boring, that she ruined Doctor Who. No, she was absolutely not. Absolutely. I just don't buy it. I, well, either that or my critical faculties, I've just lost it because I loved her. You know what? I've I've watched my fair share of Doctor Who. In fact, I've, I've probably watched several people's fair share of Doctor Who. And I, I would, I would, I would state, not going to say stay my life on it. I wouldn't stay too much on it, but that she is one of the one of my favourite doctors. Oh, she might she might say. I think she's one of. And if you if you look back, and I've, we've said this before, if you look back, that she's very much a doctor of the old school, just a traveller in time, and the, none of this time lord victorious, which was good at the time, but it just gets a bit boring after a while. This sort of omnipotence, and I'm I can do this, and I'm you yeah. just want you just want. I just want the doctor to go back to being just a traveller in time and um you know solving solving mysteries and saving planets and basically this is a, this is a beautiful scene. yeah <laughs> this is a beautiful scene and i think and it, it uh, and you know when you, we say about vinette robinson giving the the best performance of the of the season yeah this is it here I do like that line delivery of your police. <laughs> but the fact that, yeah, she's really shocked that she's like a law enforcement officer in the future. Yeah. It's wonderful. Really and you know what? I think throughout series 11, which comes in for a bit of flack, I think it is being reevaluated quite quickly, actually. But it does come in for a bit of flack. As we, being bit we know. I mean, look at season 24. At the time, it was absolutely slammed by the critics and by the fans. But now, you know, it's out on Blu-ray and people are absolutely loving it and and, and realising, you know, on the, the, the panto trappings, underneath the, all those panto trappings, it's actually some very dark and adult themes going on. What do you mean, pantomime? Um, <laughs> then get after him, you incompetent fool. Are you coming, Mel? Yes, Doctor, coming. <laughs> what do you mean, panto? 
<laughs> oh no, it isn't. <laughs> I love season twenty-four. Now, speaking of season twenty-four, that's that's Hawk. That's, oh, from Dale and the Bannermen. Dale from the Bannermen. They're all turning up in this, aren't they? They're all turn- yeah. <laughs> I knew there was a reason why I'd, I'd got. I wanted to mention season twenty-four. Here we go. As a honestly, that was effortless. Well timed as well. well. Very well timed. I wish I could say it was planned. Um, oh, somebody else asked who else had set, had made some comments because people very kindly. Um, uh, Mark Doddick says um, this had such an impact on me on first viewing that I haven't been able to bring myself to revisit it yet. Very powerful. Wow, Mark, if if you're listening would thoroughly recommend you watch this again because it is you are absolutely right it is fantastic we had a few questions in there as well go on first yeah. into the ether okay um oh uh geekier on the inside hello i don't know who you, who you are geekier on the inside but um thank you for your question or for your comment um which is i just love it so much i think it's one of the most incredibly done period pieces the show has ever made period and historically accurate in almost every way and gave me that classic time travel back to the future type stress used all the companions brilliantly and we've just seen um ryan use the 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 weapon crasco's weapon on him and our friend fraser gregory asked should the doctor have more to say to ryan about him using crasco's own weapon against him given how much she kicked off about kicked off about him having it in the first place that's a good point Yes. He does occasionally make a good point. He does. Um, Can I just take a very quick pause to say, I need to say something about Fraser Gregory, right? Because every time someone puts a comment on, because he will always write a comment when someone says, I'm doing a hamster, have a comment. Yeah. I always go, oh, God, here we go. Contentious old Fraser Gregory. Man, oh, man, he's insightful. He is so good at this. He is. He, he's had all these Doctor Who opinions bottled up inside of him for years and years and years. And it was a little nervous getting him out initially. And now, boy, he's flying. Fraser, you're incredible. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Absolutely. No, no, no. Um, Jim Allenby also asked, do we need, really need the character of Crasco? And are we intrigued enough to learn a little bit more about him? I th- I'd say you're probably intrigued to learn a little bit, bit more about him, aren't you, Joe? Well, yes, indeed. I would like very much that, you know, that bit there where um, Ryan just zapped him. Yes. That could be like that defabricator from uh, Bad Wolf and Partner of the Ways. That would have been very nice. Stop it. <laughs> I need to stop saying this. We're on the bus now. There's a dramatic yes. thing about the This start. is the dramatic scene that, that we're absolutely, yeah, that we're talking over. This sequence is perfectly paced, perfectly written, perfectly acted. I think the music they chose was... And, and look, on, look, at, look at her face. She just there, you could just see Jodie's realized the doctor's realized we have got to be part of this. Yeah, when, when uh Graham goes, I don't want to do this, please yeah. do this. Like, he was, in yeah, love look at him, look at it. He looks like he's about to burst into tears. He was in love with the black woman, wasn't he? Like, this is the last thing in the world. This he is, yeah, this is absolutely against everything he stands for. You know, he married Grace. I wish Grace had hung around a bit longer, you know. She was, she was she's so good. I mean, Sharon Clark is such a good actress. But I was really of, quite shocked that they killed her off. I thought that, you know, they might make her sort of like a recurring character or sort of, you know. Well, she, I mean, she did pop back in Arachnids and It Takes You Away. She oh, that's true, yeah. But yeah. Um, 
I think as well, they have, the way they handled grief throughout Series 11, and I'm somebody that's grappled with grief in the last couple of years since I lost my mother, I, I just thought it was beautifully done. Anyway, sorry, back to Rosa and this very important scene. What do you think about using music, music in Doctor Who? Because it's unusual. It is unusual. I think it works well. I think it works really well. Is it a religious song, Rise Up? I don't know. It's, it is. I have to say, being an old fogey, I, I, hearing it in the in this episode was the first time I'd ever heard it. Um, oops, I don't know. I'll have a look. Rise up. But as a as a oh, look at Jodie's face. He's so. That, you know what? It, it, when when a director puts a camera right in your face like that, and you can't say any words, and you just have to emote, you've got to be pretty damn confident of your performance. One thing I did notice about this was um, the director wasn't afraid to get the camera right in their faces. They're right in their faces. In these extended dialogues. Yeah. And <clears throat> it does rather show that the regulars were like, that was a really skillful bit of casting, all mm. four of them, because they can all knock it out of the park. Yeah. You remember that thing with Ryan in the cafe in Resolution? Like, you know. They 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 can all seriously they, act. They are really good actors. Oh, Jesus! Look at Bradley Walsh. The pain on it his looks like he's just uh, uh, and that's why they cast him because he's such a good actor. And, she's, and look, she's and I love the fact that she's she's not angry. She's she's but it and it it goes back to the to the original premise. You can't change history. Not one line. And, I, and that's again. yeah and I love this bit where she doesn't look at the doctor Rosa doesn't look at the doctor she doesn't look at right at right at, at, at Graham but she looks to she looks to Ryan and she nods and I love the fact that he know because she knows what he's going to go through maybe I don't know She's, sorry, you said say, Well, some people might say it's a bit twee, but like the instruction in the music is rise up, i.e. rise up and face oppression and racism, you know. And I think that's yeah. a really worthy message. It is. According to the, it says, one, one website, um, Andrew's, Andrew Day's song, Rise Up, is a song about perseverance, courage and confidence. Perseverance, facing a struggle, but finding the power in yourself to do as day says in her song rise up doing anything you're going through in your life despite anything you're going through in your life you need to stay determined and keep going and it's fact it, i think right. it's that's one of my collective worships written that <laughs> <laughs> they don't patronize you as well because he goes oh great yeah. well it's all gonna be great for her after this and she's like no she had a really no, hard it isn't life. no it, it still is a really hard life that she gets and my dear friend nathan bottomley who does like this episode, but is extremely critical of the era, um, loathes this ending with the asteroid and goes, oh, well, great. So she went for all that hell just to have an asteroid named after. I'm like, Nathan, you have no soul, all right? <laughs> I think it's lovely. I think, yeah, it's a very powerful moment. And is it too to um to tweet to say that this is a, a a jewel in doctor who's crown one of the stories that if you had to limit yourself to you know your desert island doctor who episodes i think this would be one of them 
certainly for me anyway. Yeah, like I said, I I I think Punjab's even stronger for reasons mm-hmm. which I'll go into when I mention yeah. Punjab. Um, but this is the most important episode of the season. I mean, both episodes are dealing with racism. Both, yes, absolutely. You know, holding the mirror up to that. And as we've said already, it's as important then as it is now. As it is now. Yeah. Look at yourself and and say, uh, "Am I behaving this way, or could I behave this way?" Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's a a stunningly good piece of work. And you know, like we've watched Doctor Who a long time. There have been lots of sort of worthy stories um look at something like the green death and things like that i don't mean all the production is going to come together and you know you're going to have sequences of uh, the doctor punting his way through cso giant maggots with terrible fringing around him and things like this but it's just like they threw everything at this yeah, they yeah. threw at the, the money at the location work mm-hmm. scores amazing the acting they they cast it impeccably and just most importantly, it's a bloody good script. It is. I, I wish, and, and I'd love Marjorie Blackman to come back and, and write another story. Oh, um, the women writers he brought in to his era. Maxine Alderson as well. I mean, you know, Villa, Villa Diodati and also didn't she co-write Village of the Angels? He certainly did. I, uh, I liked um, Charlene, I can't remember her surname now, the one who did Can You Hear Me? Because that's mm-hmm. dealing with some powerful stuff as well, I mm-hmm. think. Can you hear me? It's really underrated. Yeah. Um. Well, d- uh, shall we do our three apiece? Okay. Oh, it's pretty tricky with this one because there's so it many. It is. There's so many. Um. No pressure, but we'll start with you. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with um the regulars and how they are all given their moment to shine, and they're all very well characterized, and it's it's very very well done. And particularly Bradley Walsh, and also and also Toasting Cole as well, who gets to do a lot more than just be Ryan. Sometimes written as a bit of a dim character, but here he's given a bit of a, a bit of agency and a bit of uh, and and a bit of strength. And I think I think Tosin, I think this is probably his best performance in in the in the series. Maybe maybe Resolution as well. I don't know with scenes with his dad, but. Yeah, it's 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 it shows you why he was cast. So that's I know that's 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 four things, but it's one <laughs> but combined. All right, I'm gonna say that I think people were appalled when Doctor Who left Saturday nights and transferred to Sunday nights, mm-hmm. um, and they said, "Well, Doctor Who is not a Sunday night show. It's big blockbuster family entertainment. You know." Wedged between Strictly Come Dancing and whatever the modern day equivalent of Basil Brush is. Um, this is very much a Sunday night drama. It is yeah. got an intelligent message. It's expensive. It's quite wordy. It, it relies on a lot of acting. This proves that Doctor Who absolutely can be Sunday night drama. Yeah. And so that's my first thing. Okay. Um, I'm going to go. I feel bad about taking this one, but I'm going to go with Finette Robinson's performance. Um, yes, I think it is the best performance of the series. Uh, and I think she gives Rosa Parks the the quiet steelness that she needs to that and it's very it's written very much how I would I would imagine Rosa Parks to be 
no nonsense and quite quite stern but at the same time there's a lot of uh, there's her faith is is a is a driving force in her in her life um and that scene where she's talking to yaz and saying you know about a, a job isn't worth doing if it's not doing if it's not done well i think she's she there, yes there we've said there are more extravagant showy performances in this series but i think for for sheer strength of character she gives the best performance uh i'm going to lord some praise on mark tonderai the director mm. because this isn't a showy episode this is just about people in america yeah and there's no big set pieces there's not cyber heads floating over the hill you know or people hanging over acid pools or things like that you know it is just a, a a human drama and yeah i think he manages to within that do some really impressive camera yeah. work mm. uh, i think it's really really well brought together there's like i said there's lots of crane shots coming in showing off the location it's a beautiful moment where the camera start uh, very slowly goes down an alley as the tardis is materializing and, and just yeah he, he impresses um in an episode where i wouldn't imagine a director could impress so bravo okay uh third one i'm gonna plump for oh gosh i think i'm gonna go for the music um and i pull it i keep i don't know if i'm sega nakanola's music I think is absolutely that right. You know, we had to put a post on Twitter to tell everybody how to say his name. Oh, have I said it right then? I think you have, yeah. Oh, good. Um, because I wouldn't want to say it wrong because he's, I think he's an absolute genius. I, I, I love his music. Um, and I think here that sort of very sort of American sort of military style fanfare that sort of punctuates through it is, is really 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 evocative and then there's the music while she's while they're they're looking at the at the asteroid and it's that's beautiful and i i i do like murray gold's music but it did get a little bit samey after a while and i imagine that if second akinola was going to go on and on and on we probably might say the same thing about, about him as well that. yeah um but it it's it it sums up yeah, for me, the the mood of the whole era that he he can go from one style of different mu of music to another. I mean, the 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 bit in the Ghost Monument where they're up on the mountain and the TARDIS is materialising. That's I think that's one of the most beautiful pieces of music that that's ever been in the show. Um, and I think here he doesn't disappoint. He's he's you know absolutely wonderful music. I uh, I am going to cheat a little bit because you said the did you say the acting the performances of the regulars? Yes. I'm going to say the 13th Doctor because she's had her introductory story where she was incredibly good. Then she's had um, the Ghost Monument where she's adrift and trying to find her way and finds the TARDIS. Now, this is her first proper story as the 13th Doctor going off in the TARDIS. Yeah. yeah. She gets to confront the villain. Um, she gets a, you know, a violent confrontation, as we said. Um, she gets a big historical episode you know, with a, a bit of a dilemma at the end. Mm. She gets to be really funny at times, the Banksy moment or where they're bamboozling the policeman. I just think it shows 
a lot of facets of Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think she's always good, but she's excellent here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well. We could go on, actually. Oh, I quite like this. I quite like, yeah. (laughs) It's such a good episode. That's what what Fraser does, you know. He then, he says, well, let's do nine things. I'm like, for God's sake, we'll be here till senility. Um, I've got a question for you, though. Okay. Well, how does one enter this contraption? Hmm? Hammer and chisel? I don't know, but I've seen some very strange uh, headgear, and I think it looks very much like a space helmet for a cow. Really? Huh. Yes. Five pounds in a bank in 1964, and then skipped forward 200 years and claimed a fortune in compound interest. Any more? <laughs> so I think we've got a few clues as to where we're going next. We're going back. We're going back. So 1066 or 1965 even. And in fact, interestingly, it's an interesting one to do after this because this is leaning into those serious historicals like the Aztecs in series one. Time Meddler is suddenly where that's taking a bit of a turn, isn't it? And it's going into the pseudo historicals. That's it. Yeah. But boy, it's a good story. It is a brilliant story. Yeah. There's a bizarre amount of love for Edith in my household you know really yeah okay. well the thing is, is she's quite a strong character though isn't she oh she's raped i mean it's appalling well yeah there is that bit there is that aspect to it which is kind of in the next episode sort of brushed aside which i guess at the time you would have to do that and in, not really all the comedy hijinks you know there's an aggressive mm-hmm. act of violence against a woman tonally it's a little bit jarring but it is a bit, the yes. The problem with it is, is obviously Mark has uh, his own podcast, To Watch Who, and um, I, don't know if you've, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard, at the end of the seasons, they do this thing called the Doscars, which is yes. Oscars, mm-hmm. and they do a big, a big uh, award ceremony, and everyone's invited from the season to pick up their awards, and uh, as they've gone through the seasons, they've gathered up all the different people that can cook, and, and they, they provide all the food of these things, and Edith... <laughs> series two has turned up at every single ceremony so there's a nip so i will have to bring that up a few times you know about edith when we do she that bring, bringing the mead is she you're bringing the mead yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but look this was a big episode i yeah. brought a big guest it's been absolutely wonderful to talk about this with you thank you uh, thank you very much for your time it's been great joe as always always and- a pleasure thanks very much May I say a Merry Christmas to all of you at home as well.